Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons Podcast. I'm his son, Matthew, and we have been splitting up the sermons every other week at our house church that my wife and I host on our farm. If you're interested in joining us, check out wrightfarmhousechurch.com. Enjoy today's lesson. All right, Matthew chapter 23, starting in verse 23. Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. All right, so we, we talked about the Pharisees last time, and we're going to continue our, our theme uh, again. We're going to continue this theme. The Pharisees, they represent a way of thinking about religion, and these, these scriptures hold warnings for us because the Pharisees tangled with Jesus more, we learned, more than any other group. They made Jesus angry, uh, as we see here in this text. And it's important for us to understand what Jesus' message was to the Pharisees so that we can make sure that we don't duplicate their mistakes. We want to be the kind of Christian Christians that Jesus expects us to be. So last time we talked about the Pharisee's heart, the way a Pharisee thinks about himself and about other people. And today we're going to talk about the Pharisee's theology, how the Pharisee thinks about, about God. The Pharisees were an amazing, we'll say it again, they were an amazing group of people. They mostly had good thoughts about God. They were monotheists. Uh, believing in one true God. They worshipped him and, and believed the Jewish scriptures were inspired of God. They were very diligent about following the Old Covenant. Paul, in, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 5, Paul says, Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. He's talking about himself. This meant he was as serious about the law as you could as you could imagine. That's what he's trying to say there. The problem is there was something wrong with the theology of the Pharisees. So let's examine let's examine that so that we don't fall into the same traps that they did. Um, so the text that we just read in Matthew chapter twenty three it says, "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites!" For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the way to your matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. They were very serious about their tithing down to the smallest parts of the smallest plants. And Jesus says, you do a good job in the details, but you have neglected the way to your matters of the law justice and mercy and faithfulness. He says, your problem is you've centered on the details. And in doing so, you've missed what really matters. He says, you blind guide, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. So think about, think about having a gnat. Have you guys ever had this, a gnat in your cup of water? And so that would be a defiling thing for the Pharisee. And, and think about the effort that it takes to, to, fish that gnat out of your out of your water cup. It can be very difficult to get out, right? Um, now imagine that you go to all that effort to strain out that little gnat, and then you go and you swallow a camel. 
And the camel was the largest unclean animal that there was. Jesus says, you're so worried about that small gnat and, and you swallow the much bigger camel. Jesus is saying, you center on the details and in doing so, you miss what really matters. The Pharisee is so focused on the details that he can't see the rest. So anyways, back to Matthew chapter 23. In verse 16, he says, Woe to you blind guides who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, If anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. They're focused on these nitpicky details. If you swear by the gold or if you swear by the temple, those are two different things. These are the kind of people that, that would make an argument from the very small technical details. And their goal, uh, their goal in that was, was sinister motives. In verse 16, he says, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. In other words, I can make promises all day long, but as long as I've got my little bag of tricks, and I say, sorry, I swore by the gold of the temple. And that's different. That's what they were trying to say. I can tell you whatever I want to, and I can lie freely. I can lie to you freely all day long with this. It doesn't mean anything because I got the details right. But did God really care about keeping the details right in their oath? Or, or did he care about telling the truth? When they focused on the details, they missed the bigger picture. They were hiding sinister motives. And the Pharisee was an expert. Uh, he was an expert on all of these details. All of the all the law and living in religion, and people would go to the Pharisee with questions of all kinds of technicalities about the law, but Jesus clashes with them over and over again because of this. In Mark chapter seven, uh, the Pharisees criticized Jesus for his disciples. Not we're not going to read it, but we're going to go through a few of these. They they criticized Jesus for his disciples not washing their hands before they ate. And Jesus turns it around on them and says, you throw aside the commandment of God because of your tradition. God says, honor your father and mother, but you've come up with a technicality by which you can ignore your parents as they get older. And that was, they called that Corbin, right? You've got this money that's dedicated to God so you can tell your parents, sorry guys, I can't help you out. It's Corbin, you know. I've dedicated it elsewhere. And Jesus says, you just made that up. <laughs> you made it up and then you ignore God. You think that technicality is going to somehow please God. And the Pharisees, they, they uh, in another story, they plot to frame and, and murder Jesus. And they bribe Judas. We just talked about this in kids class, right? They bribe, bribe, bribe Ju Judas uh, when they get to Pilate. 
uh, in this story, though, they say we can't go into that room because that would defile us. Murder is no problem, but being in the same room as a Gentile, ooh, never. Ooh. Centering on the details and the technicalities was where their focus was. The Pharisees divided work. In another example, they divided work on the Sabbath into 39 separate categories. In Luke 6, um, Jesus, Jesus' disciples, they pluck a head of grain, and the, and the Pharisees accuse them of harvesting as that was work to them. When they rubbed the grain in their hands, it was considered threshing. Two kinds of work that they accuse him of focused on the details. So I will quickly caveat here that this is not teaching us that we should never be concerned about the details in spiritual things. There are some details in our spiritual walk that will require effort and intense study. But there is a balance, right? There's a balance of how we work through the details in our service to God. What Jesus criticizes the Pharisees for is that they always try to get the details right. And in doing so, they always miss the big picture. They strain out the gnat, but they swallow the camel. They tithe what they should, but they neglect the, the more important things. They devote things to God, but they end up dishonoring their father and mother. Centering on the details led them to where they couldn't focus on anything else. Jesus says we have to come up for air and look at the big picture and what we're doing with God. What does God really want? The Pharisees just, <clears throat> they just never got around to doing that because as long as as long as they got the details right, they thought that was all that mattered. And our lesson here is that, is that we can't allow our faith to center on the details. There is something bigger in our relationship with God than just getting the details right. If we get hyper-focused on the details, we can very quickly lose sight of God's bigger plan for us. All right, so the next lesson that we can learn about the Pharisees is that the Pharisees' theology centered on issues and statements of belief about religious topics. Just as we do today, people would ask them, uh, what do you think about blank? Just like a politician will. What do you think about, what do you, uh, what's your position on blank? Whatever it is. And their answers would become a source of tremendous debates that, that would divide them into, into political parties. Uh, and a lot of issues in this time we're meant to be a mental test to see how smart you were in these, in these debates. If you could navigate and debate and argue your way through a topic. Uh, when these questions are put to Jesus in the Bible, do you, you guys know, kind of remember what it says? The, it's kind of caveated with a comment there. It says, this was said to test him. Have you guys think about that? This was said to test him as they ask him these questions. They knew that they knew that certain issues had some, some thorny sides whenever they brought them up. Either way you went, either answer you had, you were in trouble. And they knew that whichever way Jesus went, he was going to make somebody angry with whatever his answer was. They wanted, they wanted Jesus either to, to make somebody mad or they wanted to, to show that Jesus was just an illiterate Galilean rabbi. That was their goal. But they failed, even though that, that was their intent. If we can focus on the issues they were thinking, then we can just get Jesus into trouble. 
Matthew chapter 19, backing up a, a couple chapters from our original chapter. In verse 3 it says, And the Pharisees came up, the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So Jesus says, you're, you're focused on the law. Let me tell you about what God did and said. They want to talk about the law. Jesus wants to talk about God. They want to argue about the law. Jesus says, no, no, we're going to talk about God. How did God make people? What was God's plan? So they think that they think this is about an issue. And when you talk about issues, the issue becomes the issue. Not God anymore. Not the people that the issue might affect. They want to argue about the issues and try to use the issue to disqualify Jesus. The issues became the center of the Pharisees' theology. Uh, Matthew chapter 22, in verse 15 Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then, what, tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So here's another issue they bring to Jesus. Where do you stand on taxes, Jesus? They sound like modern day politicians, don't they? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Let's argue about the law. And Jesus says in verse 21, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they're amazed at this answer. It, because it, it doesn't fit into either category that they expected him to go to. They, they try to use an issue to test Jesus. And the Pharisees viewed all of these things. They viewed all of these things politically in this way. In, uh, in Mark chapter 11, another example, the Pharisees, they asked Jesus, By what authority do you do these things? And Jesus says, Answer this first. Is the baptism of John from heaven or from men? So they tell themselves in, in this story, they, they go back and they tell themselves, if we say it's from heaven, then he's going to say, why didn't you believe him? And if we say from man, then the people are going to be mad at us. So they say, we don't know. They view everything politically, so they don't view things in terms of just plain, simple truth. They view things in terms of how it will be, how it will be viewed by people. They think Jesus is going to view the question that way and, and that Jesus is going to worry about making the Romans mad or making the Jews mad. But Jesus is not like them. They, they are centered on the issue and a political impact. Jesus is centered on people doing what God wants. Uh, another example, in Mark 12, they, they test him again and ask him, what the greatest commandment in the law is. What do you think about this issue, Jesus? They say, what do you think about, does your teacher pay the temple tax or not? Or why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why do your disciples not fast when we fast and the disciples of John fast? Where do you stand on the issues, Jesus? That's what matters most, I think, to them. All of these are tests for Jesus so that they can find a reason to disqualify 
to disqualify him. Issues were the pretext for disqualifying and not believing in Jesus. Another caveat, real quick, in this lesson is that there is absolutely a place for studying issues. There are questions that need answers, just like we talked about with the details, okay? The problem with the Pharisees, though, was that the issues were the core of their faith. It would be safe to say that they, that they worshipped the issues. They were eager to find other people to, that, that viewed the issues their way. They were eager to ignore and eliminate people who did not view them their way. They felt that getting the issues right would make them good with God. But Jesus does not approach God in terms of issues. He doesn't teach his disciples to approach God that way. Jesus taught, taught, Jesus taught his disciples to think, you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. You love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus taught his disciples to think, if you believe in me, you'd be willing to deny yourself and, and take up your cross and follow after me. Jesus taught his disciples to think in terms of a relationship with God, not in terms of issues. What the Pharisees show us is that often a fixation on issues is a cloak, a cloak for evil or impure motives. It's a cloak for a motive to show how much smarter I am, uh, that I can debate better, that I know more, that you don't really know, you don't really know what you're doing religiously. It might be a cloak for a desire to reject someone because they make me uncomfortable. That person makes me uncomfortable. We, and we need to be careful about that as well. All right. So lastly, the Pharisees' theology missed God's purposes. When Jesus tells them to learn what I desire mercy and not sacrifice means, when he said, learn what, desire, what I desire mercy and not sacrifice means, he is saying that they are missing something God wants because they're pursuing something that's not nearly as important. They've missed the purpose of God. Matthew chapter 21, in verse 12, he says, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. When Jesus speaks, he has scripture in his mouth here. Why, you know, they, they would say, why did you do that, Jesus? Why are you acting this way? He says, it's because God said, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. God has a purpose and you guys are not following God and I'm not going to stand for it. When God speaks, it matters, Right? When God says, honor father and mother, it matters. But the Pharisees seem completely unconcerned. They're, they're much more concerned about what other people think, what other people think of, of them than they are about what God thinks about them. Luke chapter 7, uh, Jesus is talking about the people's response to John the Baptist. In verse 29, it says, When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. They rejected the purpose of God for themselves. They said no to God. Why did they reject God's purpose? I think it, 
It's because they took John the Baptist, I think, and they turned John the Baptist into an issue. What do you think about John? Who 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 are you, John? Are are you the prophet? Are you the Elijah? Are you Elijah? Are you are you the Messiah? Who are you? What what do you guys think about John? You know, it became an issue. Where do you guys stand on the John issue? <laughs> and that becomes the question of the day. Then and, and 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 by turning him into an issue, what they did was they rejected God's purpose for themselves. They don't even think to listen to him or, or obey him and be baptized by him. The issues can be a way that we hold God's purposes at arm's length and say, I'm not sure about that. Let's think about it some more. And let's see what kind of position I'm going to hold you know, on that. Instead of just saying, yes, Father, I'm going to simply do what you say. They rejected the purpose of God for themselves. And in doing so, the Pharisees treat God as if he's not even real. Instead of it being about a real God who has real desires for us revealed in His Word, we can have a tendency to treat religion like a puzzle that we need to solve by focusing on details and issues. But what does God want from me? What does God want from what does God want from me in my marriage? What what is God's purpose for for our relationships? God wants us to love our neighbor as ourself. The the purpose of God matters to Jesus. And every issue can be boiled down to that question, what does God really want from me? What kind of obedience can I offer to God in this situation? Um, Purity, compassion, and an open-minded consideration of the truth. That's what God wants from me. If I act like a Pharisee, I won't think about the purpose of God. I'll focus so much on details and issues that I'll miss what God really expects. I'll miss the heart of God. God is not a set of propositions. God is not a checklist to complete. The Pharisees missed it because they tried to boil them down to that. And Jesus has a larger view that God wants, God wants a relationship with people. That God wants us to serve Him with love. The details and the issues will work themselves out as we draw closer to Him in that relationship of obedience. And we have to be focused on the purposes of God if we're going to be disciples of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. God bless you and have a wonderful week.